0: This is a beautiful time of the year. It's Christmas. It's the day love came down from heaven. Christmas, I think, is a time of miracles. And because of miracles, parents, we need to teach our kids to pray for miracles. We want kids to pray and trust God for answers. But when it comes to really big prayers, the ones that need miracles, How do we pray with our kids? Prayer is a primary force in our relationship with God. It basically oils the gears of our faith and it nourishes the soul. Prayer is our direct line to God. In fact, when I think about praying, I can imagine vapors going up to the throne of God as he sits there listening to my prayers. When your child is led to a relationship with Jesus, our primary focus should be teaching about the power of prayer. Because life is filled with injuries and tragedies and illnesses and deaths, we have to let our children know that there are times when our prayers are answered in ways that we can't see. Let them know that, Just like you, their parents, know what's good for them, and you don't give them everything they want, that's the way God our Father is. He knows what's best for us. And just like you, Mom and Dad, He comforts us, just like you comfort your child when they're hurting. Teach kids to expect an answer to every prayer, but once again, not to expect the result, or the timing on their terms. When I was in the fourth or fifth grade, my mother had a stroke. I could remember praying very, very hard that she would recover. And at the time, I didn't know exactly what to look for. I guess I was thinking she was just going to get up off the bed and, and move. Well, she was in a coma for six, seven weeks, And she did come out of that coma. But you know, once again, as a child, I did not see her coming out of that coma as a miracle. But that was a miracle. She still wasn't able to walk, but she recognized us. And in my mind, I thought it was going to be a complete healing. So basically, parents, what I'm saying to you is teach your child to expect miracles, but not to expect exactly what he or she wants. Statmiller said, and I quote, The problem in praying for miracles with our kids come only when we begin to direct their faith to the results of our prayers instead of the miracle worker, and that miracle worker is God. Their eyes and their focus should always be on God, not what the result is. Believing faith-filled prayer focuses on God's ability, not God's decision-making process. Adults who pray big prayers with their kids believe in God to sustain their child's faith, no matter what the result. We don't need to protect our child from God. The essence of faith-filled prayer is that God can always heal, but sometimes he doesn't, but he will take care of us in the way that's best. So if your child is praying for a friend who has a terminal illness and that chi- that child's friend does not make it, let them know that it's God is the one who makes the decision. And we may never, he may never know what that reason was, but let your child remind your child to focus on God and who God is. This week and next week, because this is a season of miracles, I want to share a couple of true stories that are miracles. And once again, after all, This is a season of miracles. And just as I'm sharing this with you, when you see a miracle in action, share it with your child. Because miracles do take place. In fact, every morning we wake up is a miracle. Now this story happened in 1992 in Tennessee. Like any good mother, when Karen found out that another baby was on the way... She did what she could to help her three-year-old son, Michael, prepare for a new sibling. They knew that the baby was going to be a girl. And day after day and night after night, Michael sang to his sister in mommy's tummy. He was building a bond of love with his little sister before he even met her. The pregnancy progressed normally for Karen. Once again, she's a resident of Morristown, Tennessee. In time, the labor pains came, and soon it was every five minutes, then every three minutes, and then every minute another labor pain hit her. But serious complications arose during delivery, and Karen found herself in hours and hours of labor. Finally, after a long struggle, Michael's little sister was born, but she was in very serious condition. With the siren howling in the night, the ambulance rushed the little infant to the neonatal intensive care unit at St. Mary's Hospital in Knoxville, Tennessee. The days went by and the little girl got worse. The pediatrician had to tell the parents there was very little hope. Be prepared, they said, for the worst. Karen and her husband contacted a local cemetery about a burial plot. They had fixed up a special room in their house for their little new baby. But instead, they found themselves having to plan for a funeral. Michael, however, kept begging his parents to let him go see his sister. I want to sing to her, he kept saying. Week two in intensive care looked as if a funeral would come before the week was over. Michael kept nagging about singing to his sister. But kids, as you know, are never allowed in intensive care. Karen decided to take Michael whether they liked it or not. If he didn't see his sister right then, he may never see her. She dressed him in an oversized scrub suit and marched him into ICU. He looked like a walking laundry basket. The head nurse, though, recognized him as a child and bellowed, get that kid out of here now. Children are not allowed. The mother in Karen rose up strong, and the usually mild mannered lady glared, still eyed, right into the head nurse's eyes, her lips a firm line, and she said, He is not leaving until he sings to his sister. Then Karen towed Michael to his sister's bedside. He gazed at the tiny infant losing the battle to live. After a moment, He began tossing about. And then, in the pure-hearted voice of a three-year-old, Michael sang, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Instantly, the baby girl seemed to respond. The pulse rate began to calm down and became steady. Keep on singing, Michael! encouraged Karen with tears running down her eyes. You never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. As Michael sang to his sister, the baby's ragged, strained breathing became as smooth as a kitten's purr. Keep on singing, sweetheart, said Karen. The other night, dear, As I lay sleeping, I dreamed I held you in my arms. Michael's little sister began to relax. She was resting, healing rest, seemed to sweep over her. Keep singing, Michael, keep singing, his mother said. Tears now conquered the face of the bossy head nurse, Karen, glowed. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Please don't take my sunshine away. The next day, the very next day, the little girl was well enough to go home. The lesson is never, ever give up on the people you love. Love is so incredibly powerful. The Women's Day magazine called it the miracle of a brother's song. The medical staff called it a miracle. Karen called it a miracle of love. Miracles happen. We celebrate Christmas because God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to save us from our sins. He loves us, and he is in the miracle business. Parents, teach your child. Teach your child that miracles happen. Teach your child to expect miracles. Teach your child that God is in control. Teach your child that God is in the miracle business. Have a very Merry Christmas and remember to parent on purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting or if you would like to reach out Please visit me on HarrietRowe.com and follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. Feel free to invite a friend. Until then, this is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose.